Welcome to the Intuitively You podcast, where we chat all things intuitive eating, body image, finding peace with food, and so much more. I'm your host, Jen Baswick, intuitive eating dietitian and embodiment coach, and I'm your guide along your journey to food freedom so that you can improve your relationship with food and your body to no longer hold you back from living your best, most fulfilling life. We'll be chatting about all the real talk, the tips and tricks, the struggles, and most importantly, how you, yes you, can finally find peace with food and your body. After each episode, I'll be sure to wrap it up with some takeaways for you to implement in your life, so make sure to stick around until the end. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Okay. Today we are joined by Cynthia and we are going to talk about period health. And I think this is a really cool topic to um, bring into the Intuitively You podcast because we haven't really dove into this at all yet, but it's very much so related to our relationship with food. And I I know Cynthia is going to tell us lots about this. So I'm so excited to pick her brain on this um, area that she is an expert in. But Cynthia, I will let you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and what it is that you do. All right. Hi, Jen. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. And um, this topic is near and very dear to my heart because this is something I uh, struggled with. And what that particular thing is, is a missing period, also known as the medical term hypothalamic amenorrhea. And we're just going to use HA for short uh, because it's a mouthful. (laughs) So, yeah, so that is um, something I struggled with, but a little bit more about me. And then I'm sure we'll have time to get into my story and how connected what I do now is to what I have been through in the past. So I am a registered dietitian and I have been one for, oh gosh, we'll just say over 10 years now. So that's what I'm, I'm across the board. I'm like over 10 years. So somewhere in there. Yeah. (laughs) Once it gets to 20, then I'll I'll say over 20 years. Um, but yeah, I'm somewhere in between like 10 and 15 years. So um and I practice as a non-diet dietitian, and uh that is I do not put people on diets. Uh, a lot of um, you know, most people say, Oh, you're a dietitian, oh, you must like put people on diets and so forth. And no, but that's honestly what I was taught to do in college. Would you yeah. Agree, Jen? Yeah, I agree. It was very like weight centric (laughs) focus for sure. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, I am a mom of two little boys that are four and six, and uh, they take up the majority of my time outside of my business, um, which is uh, the period nutritionist. um, And you can find me there on Instagram, period.nutritionist, and I'll tell you more about what it is that I do. But personally, aside from being a mom, running a business, I take care of my own home, um, spend lots of time with family and friends, and I absolutely love to travel. Um, So I am so excited later this year, I will be traveling to Hawaii for the first Mm -hmm. time. So it's been on my bucket list. And luckily, um, I say luckily because I have two little kids, um, somebody is getting married. So I feel like I have more of a green light to go. Um, So I (laughs) plan on doing hiking out there and all the things, but um, I truly uh, 
live to travel, live for my kids and um, just to have fun and take uh, one day at a time and try not look to look too much into the future and definitely not focus on um, the past. So um, trying to be present in the moment, um, but which is not always easy, but <laughs> something to strive for. So that's a little bit personal, personally about me. And what I do is I serve women across the world uh, that are experiencing HA and HA related to um, over-exercising and under-fueling or just low energy availability, if you want to say it, because some of these women don't quote unquote overexercise or they don't know. And so I help them regain their cycles. Um, and in addition, or I guess simultaneously, while I'm trying to guide them and serve them in regaining their menstrual cycles for so many health reasons, I am also simultaneously working on the relationship with food, with body, with um, exercise so that not only do they get a cycle coming back month after month or potentially get pregnant because a lot of my clients are wanting to restore fertility that they know if they work on the underlying reasons of why their period went missing, which is likely due to the relationship with food, body, et cetera, that they're going to have a period coming back month after month or eventually conceive. Uh, so yeah, and my own journey, um, led me to specialize in just this particular, um, person. Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. And I think, um, it is so important and especially in this specific area of HA as we'll, as we'll refer to it. Cause I still, to this day, it's a mouthful for me as well. Yeah. Um, is such a like special area to regain say fertility or just your menstrual cycle and that natural cycle of our bodies potentially conceive if that's someone's goal, but it's yeah. So interesting how related it is to our relationship with food, body exercise, all of those things. And so important to work on that simultaneously, like you said, because it's really the underlying root cause of kind of what's going on are the, all those things that are thrown off in the way that we're eating or moving or whatever, right? So getting a good relationship with all those things and learning how we can do that and what's related to, um, you know, menstrual cycles, period health, all that stuff. So I'm so happy we have people like you to help support those folks who are struggling with this. And I know you kind of hinted at it a little bit, but I would love to hear a little bit about your personal journey with this and period loss what that's looked like for you and how that kind of led you to this place of running a business that specifically helps people who are struggling with HA. Yes. Well, at the time when I was struggling with HA, I'm like, this is the worst thing ever. Like I, but gosh, looking back on it, not only do I have this amazing business where I'm able to serve women across the world, but I get to wake up every day, love what I do. And in addition to, you know, having HA before, you know, it taught me that I can overcome hard stuff. I can do hard things. And, um, you know, I look back and yeah, it sucked, but what in life that is worth it and that you get to learn and grow from doesn't like kind of suck a little bit, mm -hmm. um, at the time. So, uh, one of the biggest reasons I do what I do now um, is because the lack of awareness and education and all the things generally across the medical field or I guess practitioner field across the world. This is something, a missing period where 
there's a big knowledge deficit um, and just not a lot of information. Now, there is more information than there was when I was struggling. But aside from serving women personally or just, you know, through Instagram, my audience is my hope is to just like getting on podcasts like this, um, increase the outreach of women that know that like this is a thing because when I was going through this, and unfortunately, women, this is 10 plus years ago, women are still going through it. My doctor had no idea. Like, he's just like, oh, you just came off the pill, so that's normal. Or, oh, it's been three months. Give it another three months. See what happens. Oh, your period isn't coming back. Oh, go on birth control pills. Um, take the Provera challenge. So nothing like, Cynthia, you need to eat more and rest more because you are exercising way more than you should in relation to what you're eating. I actually, after five years, I did find a doctor that finally told me that, but that's five years, five wow. yeah. years. That's a long it's time. A long time. Yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So the frustration out there, and of course, you know, the first thing we do is go to our doctors and I'm not saying don't, uh, but if we could somehow get to them first with this education that maybe it could save women lots of time lots of energy lots of frustration um but at the same time you don't know because just you know a little bit into my story if when i first started out on this journey and i was trying to figure it out and i went to the doctor and the doctor was like hey cynthia by the way uh you are not eating enough and you're exercising too much i'd be like uh no i'm not like, like now I'm doing all the right things. Actually, <laughs> yeah, there would have been yeah. no way I was in the stage of readiness to make any changes with my relationship with exercise and food. And it's hard because, you know, the majority of the world is doing the same thing as me exercising bunch, um, eating, quote unquote, healthy, you know, watching what they eat, not being bad, you know, and then so when I did initially go to the doctor, they're like, yeah, you know, I don't know. This is not a big deal. And in my heart of hearts, I'm like, no, this, this does not feel right. My, I trusted my intuition, but at the same time, I grew up in a school of thought of like, doctor knows everything. Like if that's what the doctor's saying, you need to trust that and end of story. But I still kept digging and digging and digging and digging. Um, and so I found out that I had HA after gosh, I saw acupuncturist, I saw multiple OBGYNs, I went to a fertility specialist, um, and multiple doctors, uh, I think I said acupuncture, um, supplements, etc., and nothing. And so finally, at about year five, I found a doctor that was a reproductive endocrinologist, and said to me, Cynthia, you, um, you're exercising too much, and you're not eating enough. And I'm like, no way I'm a dietitian. Like, I know this stuff. Like, no, because when I was in school, Jen, in college, I remember literally maybe a couple paragraphs on missing periods, you know, as a dietitian, it was just related to someone who had a severe eating disorder, low body weight, or was an athlete. And I'm like, I don't have an eating disorder. I'm not an athlete, even though I was training like an athlete, like I was exercising like an athlete, probably more than an athlete, but I didn't think it at the time because I wasn't, you know, quote unquote, you know, uh, definition of being some type of athlete. So when I finally got that diagnosis, I was like, 
mm, I struggled with it for a bit yeah. because that made me think like, oh, whoa, I worked really hard to get where I am. Like lots of sacrifice. You know, I didn't go out late, late at night because I had to get up to the gym in the morning and I would avoid social situations because I knew there was going to be food that I wanted to eat, but I couldn't eat. Um, and then also I struggled with my weight because at the time I thought I was eating enough, but I wasn't. And therefore, my body was holding on to every little bit. I'm like, why aren't I losing weight? Well, this must mean I'm eating enough because I'm not losing weight and I'm at a, you know, a normal to close to overweight BMI. So I fit none of the criteria of what hypothalamic amenorrhea HA um, was at the time. So I struggled a little bit trying to make these lifestyle changes. And then finally, I found a Facebook support group with other women going through the same thing, I was like, whoa, this is a thing. Um, and the book, No Period, Now What? If you've never heard of it and you are struggling with missing periods, um, it's definitely a book to pick up. And that's where I then met the author of the book. This is before the book came out. And she's like, oh, yeah, you know, this is a thing. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, and so that's when it began for me to be like, okay, maybe I do need to eat more and rest more. Um, and at simultaneously, I decided to pursue fertility treatment because five plus years of thinking I'm never going to be able to have a baby yeah. was like, well, I better pull out all the stops. Um, mm -hmm. And because I was still semi or quasi, whatever you want to call it, re doing recovery where I was eating differently and I was resting more, um, I went through three rounds before the fertility treatment actually even worked because my body still wasn't in a place of, you know, feeling safe enough because I still wasn't feeling enough. I still was stressed, type A personality, exercising a bit still. So um, it was when I finally let go of all the restrictions of food, started really resting my body, working on my mindset, started meditation, yoga, went on retreats, just really saying, you know what? I'm not going to focus on the outcome anymore. I'm going to focus on taking care of myself. And uh, voila, I got pregnant via fertility treatment. And I don't want to say voila, it was very hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, if I could go back and if I knew for certain, Jen, that if I ate enough and I rested enough for my body, that my period would definitely come back. Like there wasn't, there was barely any research out there, barely any women I knew that had it. So I felt like I was at a disadvantage of like, hmm, uh, the science isn't there. And I'm very factual. Um, now, you know, I don't know. Could I say if I knew the science was there, I would have made the changes? I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to say for certain, but fertility treatment is not easy. Uh, so if I could go back and not have had to go through all of that and put my body through all of that and done it the other way, I, I say yes now, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. we, can, we can only think we would do things differently. But um, that's that's it in a nutshell, my my story. And the reason why I lost my period was because I was not eating enough, even though I thought I was because I wasn't losing any weight. I didn't think I was exercising too much because that's what you do for stress relief. And everybody pushes that. And I was a dietitian. I had an image to uphold. Um, and all the things like, you know, in my face, such as, you know, uh, trouble concentrating, frequent urination, no libido, uh, you know, inability to like think of anything other than food, right? Mm -hmm. We 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 started yeah. thinking like, oh, I'm food obsessed. No, girl, you're just hungry. Yes, uh, <laughs> totally. <laughs> you are just hungry. So, um, 
I pursued fertility treatment, third round, got pregnant, carried a beautiful, amazing pregnancy. And I'm so grateful for the time that I really had to let go of my food restrictions and um, exercise, I would call it obsession or compulsion, uh, because that allowed me to carry an amazing, beautiful pregnancy to be able to relax in my pregnancy and not feel like I have to have a belly only pregnancy, uh, which is Mm -hmm. in our faces out there. And uh, about 12 months postpartum, I was still nursing, I got my period back naturally, because I continued to fuel, I continued to, um, you know, rest appropriately. And then um, three cycles later, I ended up conceiving my second child by the oopsie method, Um, (laughs) which is so crazy, because I would, when I was going through fertility treatment and knew like I couldn't get pregnant, and I'm like, oh, these women that could just get pregnant at the drop of a dime, like, uh, you know, and FYI, comparing ourselves, we're getting frustrated at others because of something you're struggling with. You got to ask yourself, how is that going to serve me? Like, that's not doing anything to prompt me getting closer to my outcome. Um, so, yeah, I, and I carried a beautiful second pregnancy and uh, again, was able to relax, was able to eat whatever I wanted. And uh, then... Uh, I want to say about around the same time, 12 months postpartum, got my cycle back and I haven't stopped cycling on a regular basis uh, since. And that's, we're going on five, six years, five years. Amazing. That is a really amazing story of yours, Cynthia. And I feel like the struggle, especially like you said, it take, took like five years to even figure out what was going on and feeling so frustrated all that time and thinking that you were doing everything quote unquote, right. Uh, right. Like, you know, yeah. eating smaller amounts, maybe or trying to eat, you know, quote unquote, so healthy and exercising and doing the things that we think we should. And I think that's really, that's like diet culture in a nutshell. Oh yeah. Um, doing all those things and feeling so frustrated. Like why, why can't this come? And I think the doctor point is just like so prevalent because I feel as though there are some really phenomenal physicians out there. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes it's easy to be dismissed and like, Oh, "Oh, just, just wait another three months, see what happens or, you know, whatever. And I always, even tell my clients in terms of weight conversations, like you really have to be an advocate for yourself. Mm. Um, but if you don't know, how are you supposed to be an advocate for yourself if you're like exactly. no clue? Um, so education about this stuff and what you're doing is so important. And I'm so happy for you that even though it was hard to accept that you weren't eating enough and you were exercising too much and you weren't resting enough and all these things and move through that recovery because that's hard. It's not easy to, you know, eat more and let yourself relax and rest when you're Mm -hmm. like, no, no, that's what I need to do. That's what I've been told to do for so many years and even studied in school to become a dietitian, right? Like it's just so backwards. So I'm proud of you that you went through that whole thing. Um, and how beautiful that you have your kiddos now and you were able to go through all of that and take care of yourself and, um, have those, you know, phenomenal kids that take care, take up a lot of your time now, but uh, made a beautiful family out of it. And yeah, it's, it's just great. And I always say this to making, um, purpose out of your pain, 
right? Like you went through that and now you're helping so many other folks, you know, thrive through this too. When maybe if people like you didn't exist, they would just be struggling on their own and confused and spinning their wheels and um, all of that stuff. So that's, yeah, very inspiring to hear your story for sure. Thank you, Jen. And I am eternally grateful for all of it that led me to you know, the here and now. Um, so yeah, pain into purpose for, for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. and really I just, my biggest frustration out there is just the lack of information and education. But I think again, that'll change over time. It takes a long time for like things to come up, but this is such an underserved, um, if you want to say population and all these fertility doctors out there, which it's great. We have access to, you know, this type of stuff, but so many women out there I see because they're so caught up in health, whether that's just what they're putting in their body or quote unquote health, because they want to, you know, washboard abs or, you know, flat stomach or whatever it may be that um, this is being encouraged by most physicians and healthcare providers when it could be, I don't want to say easily fixed, but that if we focus more on like real true health versus what we look like, um, I think there would be a little bit less um, of this out there and that any person that's listening that is trying to conceive that is on the quote unquote healthier side and you have no idea why you can't get pregnant, um, you definitely want to look at, um, am I really truly eating enough? And regardless of you think you are, but trying to find a professional that could help you assess that because what we think we need and what our bodies actually truly need to have a healthy ovulatory cycle are two completely different things. Mm-hmm. Yes. Cause we've been conditioned otherwise Yes, <laughs> to yes. like work against your body and have mm-hmm. this willpower and do all these things and force yourself into the healthy. <laughs> I yep. say that with air quotes. And I mean, that leads me to a question that really goes along with this. And I think we've already kind of uncovered it, but if you could surmise, can it can being like too healthy actually be an unhealthy thing? <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I was the poster child for it. All of my clients are. And, you know, it's it's a hard uh, pill to swallow because it's like, but I was taught to do all these things like eat, quote unquote, healthy, exercise every day, um, exercise for stress relief, maintain a healthy weight, um, all the things. And this ultimately, with all of my clients anyways, is what has caused them to lose their periods. Mm -hmm. So, you know, are there instances out there where there are particular individuals that are, you know, athletes and so forth, and that's their job, uh, that they are having to exercise that much? but it's also their job to make sure they're eating enough to get a healthy menstrual yeah. cycle. And that that leads into a whole another thing of like, depending on what sport and who your coach is, you know, period loss could be celebrated and uh, promoted. Yeah, which is really scary because the long-term health effects of a, a irregular cycle or missing period related to low energy availability, not having enough food, um, has effects on the heart. 
um, mm -hmm. and has effects on your bones, fertility, and the list goes on. So, you know, being too healthy is definitely the main cause of the clients I work with, but anyone across the board, if they are not eating enough and in, in accordance to their energy uh, output, then they will eventually have experienced some menstrual irregularities or miss their period entirely. And the scary part is, Jen, is that if these individuals are on birth control pills, mm -hmm. they're not going to know their period is yeah. missing because yeah. it masks it. Now you can get super severe with your, your missing period and lose it all together on birth control. But that's like, I don't want to say it's hard to do, but it's definitely um, more of a rare case. And most of the time women come off the pill, just like myself, I came off the pill. I was like, oh, where's my period? Like I might be wanting to have kids soon. Um, and no period. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would say that in a nutshell. Um, being, you know, quote unquote, you know, too healthy or uh, just, you know, obsessed with uh, body image um, as well, yeah. which I guess falls under trying to be healthy, sort of. <laughs> Our false version of trying <laughs> yeah, to be healthy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like almost what you said um, on the top of that, of like, if we focus on true health, like what like actually taking care of our well-being is instead of the diet culture poster, thin ideal body, et cetera, false narrative of what health is, then things would, you know, shift because I think it's been really skewed, right? In our society of what healthy is and what we should, should be focusing on. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great to know this information and I hope no one's like freaked out by like what the long-term effects could be, but I think it's really important to know that it can be detrimental to your well-being and your health to be missing your period for so long. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's important. And I'm curious if you could touch on, um, just like expand a little bit more on if someone's taking the pill, why that is that they wouldn't see that their period isn't actually there. Like just, I kind of, I understand, but can you expand mm -hmm. on, on that? So if someone's like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little I, bit more. I hear you there. I mm -hmm. mean, when I was on the pill, I was like, oh, I'm getting a period. Um, no, actually it, what you get on the pill is called a withdrawal bleed. So the reason being is that you are taking, um, oral or, you know, outside, uh, sources of synthetic hormones. So those synthetic hormones take over and they mask or they do what I guess, quote unquote, normal hormones are doing, uh, which they're really not to a certain extent, but pretty much on birth control pills to stop ovulation so you don't get pregnant. And so uh, you get an influx of whatever hormones that particular pill has, uh, halt ovulation, which if you do have HA, you're not ovulating anyways. Um, and then you get the withdrawal bleed. So it's pretty much a synthetic hormone doing like what your hormones are supposed to do, but they're, they're different forms of hormones. So that's what produces that withdrawal bleed. And uh, there is a lot of times doctors give false hope out there like, oh, go back on the pill or take progesterone, which is um, uh, a hormone that will cause, hopefully cause a withdrawal bleed. Uh, this will kickstart things or it will um, mm -hmm. 
reset just all the things uh and it doesn't there once you take the external like hormone out or that um synthetic hormone out if you're truly experiencing aj you're not going to get a period back but if you're not you should get a period like a real period after coming off birth control within like 30 days or so um mm-hmm. if in fact you have a regular cycle so does does that do you think that helps explain I think- I think so. I think that clarified things. It's like, it's not like your, your natural period, if you will, is actually happening if you're on the pill, because that pill is like halting or, you know, stopping that natural ovulation and period menstrual cycle of happening. It's like a um, (laughs) fake, but withdrawal bleed. I think that's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jen, just to touch on that birth control, when it first came out, I can't remember the year, um, they designed it to make women feel quote unquote normal. So they mm. would have that monthly bleed. You don't have to get a period on, on the pill. You don't have to. Um, but they did that, I think more so for women to feel normal and obviously probably marketing like, Oh, you're still going to get a period and feel normal. Um, so that's, that's also a thing too. And there's just so much, misinformation out there and um lack of education on doctors on like what the pill actually does for us um and i am actually i just recorded a recent podcast and maybe by the time this airs i'll be able to include it in the show notes Mm -hmm. but another dietitian and i kaylee um she talks all about like the health detriments of birth control pills um so that might be of interest to a lot of us that are on on the pill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I like, it's something that I have been very interested in because I was on the pill from quite a young age. So I'm like, always like, Oh, tell me more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've been learning more about that myself too. So yes, if that podcast is live by the time this podcast episode goes live, we will definitely link that in the show notes for sure. Mm-hmm. Thank you for explaining that. And then just to kind of like surmise that before we maybe move on to some like tips or steps people can take to kind of move away from if they're in HA or having kind of irregularities there with their period, um, to surmise this, what would be the, you know, major reasons if you could kind of list them that people lose their period? What, what would be that kind of main overarching list? (laughs) I like to kind of classify them into behavioral things that happen, which Mm -hmm. then lead into the physical signs and symptoms. Mm -hmm. Um, So this whole exercise thing, right? So irregular exercise, which you may say, which majority of my clients say, I don't think I'm exercising too much, right? Mm -hmm. But then when we go and assess it and it's like, Yes, you you are. And I was one of them too. And I get that. So if you're not taking any rest days or active recovery days, um, and when I say active recovery days, I don't mean like going for a three mile run. I'm talking about maybe a gentle walk. Uh, So, you know, if you're feeling guilty about not exercising or you didn't check it off your list that day, choosing exercise over most things in your life, um, counting exercise only if it's intense, like only if you get a good sweat in. 
um, and your quote unquote healthy eating. So if you're limiting portions, limiting calories, following a certain quote unquote diet, counting macros or calories, only eating at certain times, basing your food off of. So for example, you're like, oh, I had a bagel for breakfast. I can't have a sandwich for lunch because I already had a bagel. Or like, what if I eat breakfast, you know, an hour early, then my snack is at this time. And then it's like a whole like Mm -hmm. um, cascading effect of like, you messing up your food day, saving your food for the end of the day. Um, and like I said, basing all meals on past meals, future meals, or like very distant meals, like, oh, I'm going to dinner on Friday and it's Sunday. Better you know. save up. Yeah. 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 So um, avoiding social situations, avoiding certain food groups. So these are all, I want to say, normalized things that yeah. we do that can contribute to your missing period when it comes to exercise and um, quote unquote eating healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that leads into the physical signs and symptoms. So if you were to go to the doctor, a lot of times women will get labs drawn and they might say, oh, your labs are normal. Uh, mm-hmm. and they can appear normal or low to normal. Uh, a lot of times women will get um, ultrasounds done and the doctor will say oh you have a you know it looks normal but you have a thin uterine lining uh sometimes polycystic appearing appearing ovaries uh many many women are misdiagnosed with pcos which i also was one of them and Mm -hmm. it is not pcos it's just that you're finding all these tiny little follicles in your ovaries and what that is is that your body cannot mature to the next stage in your menstrual cycle because you don't have any hormones to get it there so then they appear as soon as doctors see them they're like oh polycystic ovarian syndrome um which isn't uh the case um so anyways no cervical mucus so discharge sometimes we'll call it that um undiagnosed infertility if you go to the fertility doctor like oh you have no idea what's going on with you um so bleeding or no bleeding off of progesterone because you may have heard me before doctors will sometimes prescribe progesterone to kickstart things or whatever um and then sometimes um well actually all the times no libido like there's Mm. like oh sex like what huh what is that Mm. uh so no libido at all um and then sometimes depending how long this has been going on for you osteoporosis osteopenia stress fractures being cold all the time digestive issues tiredness brittle hair skin nails thinking about food all the time and um low body weight or even uh normal body weight which again a lot of times will skew like mess up doctors like oh you put your you're at a normal weight like you should be fine um mm-hmm. and then the physiological or psychological excuse me uh, perfectionist tendencies <clears throat> anyone <laughs> yep yep um <laughs> high prevalence of anxiety or depression if you're stressed out really easy uh, if you're coping with stress and that's your only form of uh stress relief obviously body image stuff and then uh, sometimes past trauma can play a part into all of these so that's just i want to say scratching most of the surface um for behavioral for physical um and then of course a little bit of psychological which is definitely not my area of expertise i encourage all of my clients that work alongside me therapy is awesome and it works very well in conjunction with working on body image and food relationship and so forth which i know you'd agree 
Oh yes. I absolutely agree with that. <laughs> Always tell my clients that that is such a beautiful, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not addition, but like something that works in tandem with this yeah. work on your relationship with food. It's just going to take it that much deeper because some of these things, like you were saying, like, um, the anxiety or other mental health concerns or past traumas and all of these things that feed into like the story or narrative that we're mm -hmm. having about food and why we need to make our bodies a certain way or, you know, all that very, yeah, important to assess those things with a professional through maybe therapy counseling, whatever that might look like for you. Um, but yeah, thank you for outlining that. I think it was really great to kind of break that down into the behavioral, physical, psychological pieces, because I think that helps um, to, you know, see it kind of clearly in all these different categories. And I think from that, <laughs> anyone who just listened to that can see that there are so many things that might go into this and so many things that might even point you into a different direction and maybe get like a misdiagnosis or something like that. Mm. Um, so yeah, just maybe even like like you were saying, Cynthia, in your own journey, if you have like a hunch that something's not quite right, yeah. advocating for yourself, seeing how you can get that support to maybe get a diagnosis or get more clarity on what's going on. Um, even if I think the one of the things you said was maybe labs look normal or maybe, you know, your weight doesn't look like someone who would typically to doctors have HA or whatever that might be using that intuition, using that hunch that you might have that something's off mm -hmm. to just advocate for yourself and get yeah. like further. Trust it. Nobody Thanks. knows yeah. your body better than you do. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. We are all the experts, only experts of our own yeah. bodies yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Love that. Love that overview. And with that, what steps would someone take if they, maybe they, um, are diagnosed with HA, maybe they just, you know, know that they don't have a period and they're not quite really certain <laughs> of what's going yeah. on. Um, what steps can they take if someone wants to regain a lost period? What would that look like kind of in recovery? Yeah. So definitely individualized for oh, sure. For sure. <laughs> totally. And, you know, but a broad basis, like if I'm just We'll just say pretend I'm writing a book, so I don't mm -hmm. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I know I'm talking to a person that has a missing period. So yes, uh, big thing is eating enough. Yeah, right. So and you might say, well, what is eating enough? Like I'm used to following macros or calories or what have you. So uh, no period now. What by Dr. Nicola Rinaldi or uh, now known as Dr. Nicola Sykes, um, she recommends a 2,500 calorie diet. And uh, this is based on um, some uh, literature review. Um, and here's the thing. Could you need more than that? Yes, you could. Could you potentially recover on less? Mm, potentially, but then again, there's women out there that never lose their periods even being a super low body weight and under fueling. And that's just based on genetics. So, um, you know, I hate to say you can do less because your body not only does it need a period, but it needs repair of hair, skin, nails, digestive uh, tract, um, cellular function, all, all the things. So having eating more is not going to harm you. And you might say, well, it's going to make me gain weight. Gaining weight is not unhealthy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Your yeah. body changing is not unhealthy. You were you were uh, programmed 
to, to think that as well as I was at one point. So eating enough. Um, and what I do with my clients is I really uh, assess where they're at and um, try to build on the foundation that they've already created for themselves. And then how I determine they have enough fuel is by tracking signs and symptoms of their periods coming back, um, their hormones turning back on. So that is um, one part of my method. But if you're like, all right, I don't want to count calories. I just, I, I'm going to do this myself. Really focusing on higher carb, higher fats, eating every two to three hours, um, always eating when you're hungry, even if you just ate, mm-hmm. eating consistently throughout the day, not, you know, having a tiny little breakfast and then saving all of your, you know, fuel for the end of the day. It needs to be consistent throughout the day and um, breaking food rules, um, allowing yourself the foods that you maybe wouldn't allow yourself before and um, really, you know, trying to break these these silly things that we have in our minds of like, oh, if I eat at seven, then I can't eat at this time or I had a bagel so I can't have bread again, whatever it may be. Uh, so breaking through those. Um, and in addition, cutting out the intense exercise. And you might say, well, I'm not doing anything intense. So how do we, how do we, I guess, uh, signify what is intense, what isn't? <clears throat> One way you can do that is making sure your your heart rate is below 100 beats per minute. And if you're like, I'm not sure, I mean, most of us wear a little fitness tracker. If not, you can take your heart rate. Um, and if not, another rule of thumb is if you can't like have like a decent conversation or sing while you're doing Mm -hmm. the physical activity, likely it is too intense, but you might say, Oh, okay, cool. I'm just now I'm walking like 50 miles a week. It's low intense. My heart rate is below hundred beats per minute. We also need to be mindful of the frequency and the duration. And so while there's no exact prescription for frequency and duration. Um, I can tell you what I do with my clients is we make a reduction right off the bat. We make a modification. And as they're feeling more comfortable and confident in modifying their exercise, then we we kind of see like how, I don't want to say how much low intense exercise can we do, but how can we merge the health benefits of continuing exercise, but also what is needed to recover a period. So finding that balance um, between the two. So that's another thing. And then really working on your mental health, um, de-stressing. And you might say, well, I'm, you know, I'm a single mom and I have three kids I need to support. And, you know, okay, I get that some stressors are out of our control. We can't control those things happening, but we can't control how we respond and what we do to take care of ourselves. So that is also um, very important. And I like to tell my clients, you know, when I work with them to get their periods back, I also want to simultaneously help them work on just living their life again, feeling yeah. free around food, or free around exercise, um, and not conforming to you know what they have been for the past however many years so that's where i would start um and if you make modifications you're like okay i'm eating so much more than i ever have and i'm resting so much more than i ever have and it's been three months and no period that's where i see women become the most stuck because it's like i've done so much more than i was doing and quite frankly, I don't want to gain any more weight. And what if this doesn't work? So, you know, if you've tried it for, you know, by yourself for three months and not getting the results that you need, that's when you need to say, all right, 
can I find support and have someone, you know, support me in bridging the gap of what I've done and what my body still needs? Because it's hard sometimes as us living in our own bodies to know exactly um, what it needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that last piece is so important and can be something that happens to anyone on some kind of relationship with food journey. My clients also, um, and not just focused on right, like HA and period health, just doing these things, making these changes to your relationship with food and what you're eating, how you're eating, your exercise relationship to your body, all those things can get really frustrating and tricky. Um, and especially when things aren't progressing or getting to the point that you want them to be. And in this case, you know, seeing that period coming back and seeing that you know, those benefits happening. So support is so important. Always want to, um, reiterate that because it can feel like you get really stuck and you're like, I'm not doing any, I'm not doing it right. I might as well just like go back to what I was doing before, because that was mm-hmm. like the healthy way. And then you get in this like loop of trying to make some changes, like, you know, what you hear on podcasts like yep. this, or maybe what you read about, um, or what you're seeing on social media from experts like dietitians and, it's not working, quote unquote, working for mm-hmm. you, definitely a sign to maybe get some support on that. Um, but I like how you shared kind of those three main areas stick out to me in terms of eating enough, you know, that relationship with food, um, cutting out the intense exercise and then working on your, you know, mental well-being and stress management. So I think that, can, mm-hmm. you know, makes it a little bit more bite-sized to be like, what do I actually focus on um, for this? And of course, like you said at the top, it's very individualized and that's just a general um, recommendation for speaking to everybody. Um, So yeah, I love that. I love that. And this has been, you know, such an amazing conversation about period health, regaining your period, um, things like that. Is there anything else, Cynthia, that you want to mention or are you feeling good? Like we kind of covered everything. <laughs> I think we covered anything, but if I had to leave you guys with anything is it would be just don't underestimate your intuition mm-hmm. um, and really check in with what your definition of health is. Mm-hmm. And really see if that's in alignment with where you are now and where you want to go in the future. Uh, Because this is more than just going to buy tampons or a new menstrual cup. You know, this is your health. This is your well-being. This is you living your life and not looking back at, you know, when you're 70, 80 years old and not remembering any memories because you were too worried about, you know, fitting into the bathing suit for bathing suit, you know, for swim season and, you know, your child's first birthday party, you couldn't eat cake because you were afraid like that, that is not, that's not living. And I can tell you being on the other side, I'm sure Jen, like life is so much more full and amazing. Um, when you're able to, you know, live, uh, without that, dark cloud over your head, if you want to call it that. So, um, and I, I wish that for all, and, you know, some women can have regular periods every month, but if you don't have that, that freedom around Mm -hmm. food, around your body, around exercise, you know, that's, that's not healthy either. Um, so yeah, totally. And you know, you know, you know, I agree with you. Absolutely. And I like how you described it as a dark cloud, right? This 
obsession with trying to be quote unquote healthy, like we've been talking about and doing things right or the good way in terms of eating um, and what we've learned from a lot of the societal conditioning around nutrition and health. Um, it feels really like it takes over a lot, like these struggles with food, the stresses about food, um, your body and moving, like all those things kind of go together, right? Those stressors and obsessing about that just puts this like shell over top of your authentic self and your ability to really just like live your life fully as you and as the most aligned version of you and really just soaking in all the joys of life. So I want nothing more than for everyone to break open that shell and let your authentic self shine. (laughs) And Jen, I love that you mentioned that because I was actually talking to one of my very good friends. Um, and we were talking cause I, I, uh, supported her in her food freedom period recovery journey. And I was like, you know what? I feel like for me, that was the first layer that had to come off to truly find my most authentic self. Yeah. It was, if that layer does not come off, I I mean, I can't say for certain you'll never find yourself, but like, I don't Mm -hmm. think I would have. So it was the first layer uh, to come off. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life up until that point. But it set me up to be able to know that I can also do hard things. But yeah, it's it's a shell that has to be broken for you to um, open up and truly become the person that you were meant to be. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better Mm -hmm. myself. That's exactly Mm -hmm. how I feel. Same thing in my journey. That was definitely masking me from stepping into a life that I truly wanted for myself. Mm. And it felt so freaking frustrating because I was like, I was doing everything right. right? And I'm just stuck in this place of like trying to eat good and cut down on what I eat, but then I'm binging all the time and I feel like garbage. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I could I could rant about this, but yep. it definitely takes over for sure. And yeah, we gotta unmask all that to yeah. be able to live our lives fully. And that's what that's what this is all about, really. We want to live our life without all this stress of food. So yes. Yeah. I love that. I love that conversation to wrap this, um, wrap this episode up. So it has been wonderful to chat, you know, period health, food freedom with you, Cynthia. And as always, as the listeners may know, I have some wrap up questions that I'd love to love ask these. you. <laughs> um, so first one being, since it's the intuitively you podcast, how would you say Cynthia, that you practice living intuitively in your life? So I, gosh, over the past recent couple of years, I feel like I have connected to myself in more of a deeper way than I could have ever imagined possible. Like I, I think back to my like younger self and if she saw her now, like she'd just be floored how intuitive and connected she is to herself. Um, but you know, as far as intuitively in my life, I just follow, I follow my intuition. I follow my gut with things. Um, I don't base them off of opinions of others. I may gather information, but I always come back to myself and what it is that I truly feel my body needs or my mind needs. Uh, so I would say that in ways I, you know, try to strengthen that is by journaling most days, um, doing some meditation, some manifestation work, which Jed and I have mm-hmm. talked about before. <laughs> Um, and connecting to nature, um, therapy, of course. Uh, so those are some things that I feel like have helped me connect deeper to, um, my, my inner intuition. I love that. 
I love that. And you and I are definitely on the same wavelength there. Mm -hmm. Those are some of my favorite things too, to make myself feel more connected to me really. Um, so I love that. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Um, next question for you is if you were a food based on your personality, what food would you be? Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) This is a good one. I have to think about this for a second. I would have to say I have um, an extremely extroverted, outgoing, bubbly personality. Uh, And so I don't know. I'm thinking of an outgoing food. I think of bubble tea because it has bubbles. Um, But I don't I don't like (laughs) bubble tea. Um, But gosh, uh, what food would I be? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm spontaneous too, so I don't know. Something that grows spontaneously. I don't know. <laughs> this, is, this is a hard one. I might have to think a little bit more about. Um, but I would say maybe an assortment, like a some type mm-hmm. of appetizer platter mm-hmm. that has all the tastiest stuff, the spontaneity, the mm-hmm. fun, the playful, the you know, relax, you know, um, just a Love variety it. of I guess, different um, tasty appetizers. I love that <laughs> appetizer platter. We got a little bit yeah. of everything. Is yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it can be, sure, we can we can describe that as extroverted, outgoing, yeah. bubbly, <laughs> <laughs> have all the little different pieces to it. Yeah, I like that one. I like that a lot. I don't know, but for some reason, when you were kind of describing it, what came to mind for me was like tacos. <laughs> <gasps> my gosh, Jen, that is my favorite food. Tacos oh, are my favorite food. They are so versatile. You could do so many things with them. Yes. They're fun. (laughs) Outgoing. Sure. They got lots of flavor. Yes. (laughs) A friend and I, our our thing is tacos. And um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So yes. Maybe a taco taco platter. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And tacos are, are what kind of tacos I like are based dependent on my mood or my location. So if yep. it's going to be somewhere on a beach, I need like a seafood taco. <laughs> so <laughs> I won't go into my, my obsession with tacos and you nailed it. I love it. We, I use my intuition on that yes. one. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm dying. Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> so good. I'm, I'm glad we like uncovered that one together. Yes. That's, that's so fun. I love that. I love that question. It's always a a good little um, fun way to wrap, wrap things up. And last kind of question, not really the fun one, but really how people can connect with you. How would you like the listeners to connect with you, learn more about um, you, anything else that you would want to share to point people towards? Yes, absolutely. So first place where I live mostly is Instagram. So Mm -hmm. you can find me period, like P-E-R-I-O-D dot nutritionist. And then I also have a podcast called the period recovery podcast, which Jen was Mm a a fabulous guest. And then there is my website, periodnutritionist.com. Sometimes I'll be on TikTok a little bit, but if you want like the meat and potatoes of period recovery, uh, support Instagram and my podcast is the place. Amazing. I love that. We'll definitely link all of those things in the show notes so you can easily go there and find Cynthia on all those places. Maybe tune into her podcast as well. Maybe I'll link the episode um, that we did together in the show notes too. So yeah, that this has been a fantastic conversation. I think like you were saying, really 
uncovering a lot of pieces about this and sharing this information so more people can be aware of these things and that maybe if they're struggling with this and didn't realize other people were, that they feel not so alone too, or kind of have clarity on how to move forward. Um, so I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing your wealth of information. So thanks, Cynthia. Yes. Thank you, Jen, for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to the Intuitively You podcast. You can find the show notes from today's episode along with all the takeaways at theintuitivenutritionist.com slash podcast. Let's connect on Instagram. You can find me at the.intuitive.nutritionist. Be sure to share and tag me when you're listening along. And if you're loving the podcast, I would be so honored for you to go ahead and hit that subscribe or follow button and leave a review. I'm so happy you're here and learning how to better your relationship with food, your body, and yourself. Until next time, keep on living intuitively you.